You're listening to the Story Embers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, James Nola, and welcome to episode 69, How to Become a Servant-Hearted Writer. Today's episode is sponsored by author Laurie Lucking, who writes stories where fantasy adventure and fairy tale romance collide. Stay tuned to find out more about Laurie's latest book during the episode. Welcome everyone to today's episode on the Story Embers podcast. I'm your host, James Nola. I'm Josiah Graff. I'm Gabrielle Pollock. And I'm Sarah Slam. And today we're discussing... How to become a servant-hearted writer. Jesus said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. As Christian writers, we aspire to be leaders within our world. We aspire to have others listen to our stories, learn from them, and grow because of them. And this is a position of influence that we desire. Yet, to have this position of influence while following Jesus means that we must lay down our own selves and become the least, to look for how our writing can serve our readers and how we can meet the needs of those reading our work while pointing them to the love of Jesus Christ as the answer to those needs. Serving our readers is far greater than simply wanting to be seen and heard as writers. Yet, if we have a heart to serve as writers, what does that look like practically? Where does our own questioning and wrestling with life and the themes that we discuss in our writing fit in with serving others and helping them with the questions they're wrestling with? How do we begin? So today, we're talking about what it looks like to serve as writers, why we serve, and how to cultivate a life of serving through the act of writing. So, thanks guys for joining me today. My first question that I'm wondering, how are both a spirit of service and hospitality central to a Christian writer's craft? I think as writers, There comes a certain point when we need to decide, am I writing just as a means of self-expression or am I also writing for others? You know, there are going to be times when we're going to write for self-expression, either because we're feeling something burning in our chest that we need to get off of it or, you know, simply because uh, we have a really cool idea that we want to write or a variety of other reasons. And there's nothing wrong with that. But In other contexts, I think many of us have felt the dangers that exist if we just write for self-expression without thinking about the other person. It happens when we're feeling really upset, and so we write that long email or that passionate text that in the moment, you know, we need to write something to get off of our chest, but pushing the send button before we've had some time to cool off and think about what does the other person need to say. You know, if we don't take that time, it can have a lot of negative impacts. 
both for the other person and for ourselves. Because while there are times in which we need to write stuff down to express ourselves, if we're going to share it with others, we also need to think about what does the other person need to hear. I think that dynamic is also exists when it comes to our fiction, just like it exists for emails and texts. I think that part of you know, writing to serve others means that even if parts of the first draft were just writing to express ourselves at a certain point, we want to be thinking about, you know, how can I best serve my reader? Not just what do I want to say, but what does my reader need to hear? And those two things, while we sometimes might think that they're the same thing, they're not always. And it's a better part of wisdom to know when those two things diverge and knowing which we ought to be valuing when we're writing for others. Yes, self-expression and communication are two vastly different things. When you self-express, you are thinking of yourself. And as Josiah said, what you want to get off your chest. When you are communicating, you are trying to figure out how to translate almost what you're thinking into words that another person is going to understand. So that is a really important part of having a spirit of service to think about the other person's communication needs as you're trying to write your story. And that can come across in the content that you put in your story, your prose, whether or not you decide to get an editor, which you should, you should decide to get an editor. But it kind of reflects in pretty much all the small and big choices that you make for your novel. Another thought about the spirit of service is that being a Christian writer, while it does influence all of our content decisions, is not just about content or it's not just about the nitty gritty line by line, paragraph by paragraph, chapter by chapter structure. It's also a purpose. It's our entire lifestyle because as you're creating a novel, you are essentially creating a space that a reader is going to walk into sit down and spend time with you and your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions and your creations. They're basically sitting down across from you and trusting that they're going to leave your presence, your work, uplifted and loved and encouraged and convicted. They're trusting that they're going to leave your presence, your story, a healthier person than they were when they walked into it, when they opened those pages. And in order For those pages to actually be uplifting and encouraging in order to create a house that a person can walk into and enjoy spending time with, we have to make sure we do the work to clean up our lives and make sure that we are living and loving other people in a way that reflects Christ. And obviously, we can't do this on our own. We need to lean deeply into him and his presence as we create stories because he is ultimately the only one who can help us create that space. So while it is very important to be a servant in the way you communicate, it is also, in a wider sense, important to be a servant in the way that you live. For myself, I have to admit that this is a rather hard topic and not one I'm an expert on. If you're looking for a role model for this, don't look to me. But I have been thinking a bit more about this recently. And some of what got me started on it is just really practical matters and and marketing. And I know that one lesson I learned from the launch of my book was just the importance of quality over quantity. I would say I had 
num- numerically wise, you know, fairly good following, but it performed not as well as I would have hoped or could have perhaps expected. Now, as I was thinking that through, there's many reasons why you know, I probably could have improved my blurb, done better with scheduling reviews, things like that. But the thing that's sticking with me the most is that I could have developed better connections with the followers and readers I had. And there, there's different ways I could have done that. You know, a lot of writers do social media, and that's a great way. It doesn't work for me. But if you can do that and really develop more personal relationships and really listen to them and provide more targeted content, that's great. If you want to do it through that, it may be trying to start more conversations over email, maybe meeting in person. But ways you can get more personal with the readers you have is really important. And not just for marketing purposes and developing stronger connections and stronger fan base, but if we really want to serve our readers, we need to understand what they want and what they need. And that can be very hard when you're just getting this feedback from people you don't know. You know, if you're reading reviews, I've had some strange reviews where I'm like, I don't understand why that person thought that. Or I might have reviews where I wonder, oh, is that something I should fix or not? I don't know. It's a subjective or objective problem. And it's so tough to judge without knowing who's giving the feedback. And if you listen to the Novel Marketing Podcast at all, Thomas Umstadt, the host, talks about what he calls a Timothy, which is just a word for a person in your head, hopefully one you know in real life, that represents your ideal reader, your target audience, and one that you know a lot about. It's not just general market categories. This is a person in your head. And it helps if if you actually have those relationships so you can really develop that Timothy, as he would say. And I would say I haven't done the best job at that, but it's hard to serve your readers if you don't know who they are. That is very true. And you were also talking about how you kind of wish that you had connected deeper with readers and that that was kind of a flaw in your marketing campaign. And one thing that really struck me as you were talking about that is that sometimes it's tempting to look at our readership base and our desire to make deeper connections with them in almost a mercenary light. I don't think you do, Deus, but when I listen to marketing people talk about marketing, it sounds very mercenary to me. We're supposed to make friends with these people to make them buy our books, but that's not what's happening at all. Because when we create deeper connections with our readers, it's almost like inviting someone inside when it's raining outside. Our books and our stories are something that they need or that we think will fill a need when we've gotten to know them, as Deus was saying. And to look at them out in the rain and think, oh, well, I don't really want to get to know them because if I smile and say hi, they might want to come inside. And that seems like manipulation. So I shouldn't do that. But you're trying to fulfill one of their needs as you've gotten to know them. So marketing a book is more of, hey, I think this would help you as a person instead of let me become friends with you so you buy my book. There's a big difference in that. And for me, it's been really helpful to think about it in that way instead of numbers or simply getting customers, which I think is the way that Deus kind of looks at it too. 
We'll be right back after this short break. Stay tuned. Today on the podcast, we're featuring the latest novel from fairy tale adventure author Laurie Lucking, Traitor. Here's a peek at this young adult kingdom romance. Disgraced by her role in a failed plot against a neighboring kingdom, Princess Penelope reluctantly accepts a betrothal to a foreign prince far across the sea. But her devoted, caring fiancé makes it harder to guard her heart than she anticipated, and rumours of dark magic haunt her with memories she'd rather keep buried far beneath her pristine exterior. When a poverty-stricken village outside the palace gates looks to her as their hope for a brighter future, Penelope embraces the opportunity to make amends for her transgressions. But in order to help, she must manipulate her new fiancé, putting her reputation and heart on the line once more. Can Penelope rise above the failures of her past, or will she forever be branded a traitor? Discover more about Traitor by Laurie Locking and where to purchase the book by following the link in the show notes below today's episode. My next question for you guys, how does being a servant-hearted writer change how we define and measure our success and our worth as writers? I think there are a lot of different ways that you can look at this. We were just talking about numbers, and I think in this day and age, it's very easy to play the numbers game, where how much of an audience, how big of an audience you have is what's important to you. And sometimes, as writers, that can be what we base our identity on, how many people like our books, how many people have reviewed our books, et cetera, et cetera. But when we start to look at our work as writers as an active service for our readership. We kind of realize that even though culture says the numbers are important, God says the only important thing is his glory and his glory is achieved through serving others. So what becomes important isn't necessarily your following or your fan base, but people's souls. And that really stops the number game in its tracks for me. And it's something that I constantly have to remind myself of because it's very easy for me to fall into it. But it's a perspective that lets you value the individual and your readership in the whole, the entirety of your readership. First Corinthians 13 also comes to mind when I think about this and like the discussion we're having about people over numbers, particularly the, you know, the first couple verses, which I don't know about you, but every time I read the first couple of verses for 1 Corinthians 13, it's a, it's a big reality check. You know, Paul says, you know, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's quite the visual imagery to have in mind, that we can write the most eloquent words that can be put to the page. And yet, if we're doing it without love to our readers, your page of beautiful poetic adornments is a noisy gong in the sight of God. Yeah, the author, go, you know, Paul goes on. You know, if I have prof- prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. You know, no matter how much fame you have, all the great things you're doing to impact the world, you know, 
if you don't have love, your efficacy, your impact is regarded as nothing in God's eyes. And finally, the third verse, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. You know, even the great acts we're doing that ought to be serving readers, you know, even if it's coming at great sacrifice to ourselves, if it's not coming from in here, if it's not coming from that place of love, we haven't gained anything, even if outwardly we were doing all the right things. You know, I think mm-hmm. that it's, you know, I think the, what you asked James about, you know, you didn't say ask, what does it mean to be a servant writer? But what does it mean to be a servant-hearted writer? Because our intentions matter. Where our hearts are matters. And, and I think you know, Paul has great warnings to us that if we're measuring ourselves by our externals, we're going to miss the most important thing um, because it's really what's going on in our hearts that he cares the most about. Mm-hmm. That's like in the story of David where God says that he doesn't value what man looks at with the eye, but what's inside a man. I can't remember the specifics of the verse, but he values the heart over the externals. I suppose one way being a servant-hearted writer can change how we measure ourselves is that it can free us from some of the nervousness, anxiety, and shame when we get slander or bad reviews because one we can still have that servant-minded attitude towards those people who are hurting our feelings and then we can also remember that it's not our fame our ego that is the point of the writing but it's serving those readers and hopefully you know there may be some negative feedback that helps you actually serve those readers more and maybe Maybe that's part of why there's negative feedback is you weren't doing that as much as you could have. But at the end of the day, if you are reaching the audience God has for you and really serving them well, then it doesn't matter what other people think of you. Yeah, I love that. To tie in with that, my next question for you all, what does it look like practically to then serve a readership well? What are some actions we can take to love our readers and to take that heart of service and enact it in some way? I love what Dea said earlier about finding your Timothy. I, mean, I think of like how many authors, you know, they got their start just by coming up with stories that they told their children. And just by telling stories to their kids and, you know, when you're coming up with a story on the fly for your kids, you know, it's a very active back and forth process of, you know, your kids and what they want. And if they don't like something that you're saying, they are going to tell you because little kids don't have a filter. Right. Um, now that isn't to say that every story we write, we have to you know, be, be telling it to, to, to kids in order to, you know, make sure that we're serving readers you know, but I think the principle to be drawn from there is, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, those authors, whether it be someone like Lewis, whether it be the author of the Thomas the Tank Engine stories or a modern storyteller like S.D. Smith, you know, one of the reasons why this works is because they're not just writing to some nebulous person out there. They are writing to a specific person. Um, 
And so I, I think that the advice given earlier of finding your Timothy and knowing you know, who's the specific person that you know in your life that you're writing to, um, I think that can be really valuable um, to try and make this feel a bit less vague and more concrete and tangible. A great example that's always stuck with me is when on one of the social media platforms, I saw the Christian novelist Nadine Brandes actually fielding prayer requests from her reader base. And that really blew me away. I don't think every author has to do that, but it wasn't a good example of what servant-hearted writing can look like. And for me, at least, what I've taken away from this episode is that I need to pray and ask God to give me that love for my readership and make it more personal. And I'm not sure yet exactly how that's going to change things, but I'm confident that if that love is driving me, something will change. And bouncing off what Deus said, the best thing that you can do for your reader base, as Deus was kind of demonstrating, is to go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his wisdom and to constantly seek him because that will reflect in your writing. The more you do that, the more readers will see it. And though it is kind of vague, it is definitely really important for you and your readership. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Do you have a topic or question you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast? Email info at storyembers.org to let us know. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clarkson, Michael Stanton, and Renee Kennedy. And finally, join us again on February 19th for the next episode of the Story Embers podcast. <laughs>